Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you. We magnify you for your grace, your goodness, and your mercy. Father, we could never praise you enough. We could never thank you enough for Jesus. May his words be said. May his deeds be done. May his glory be made manifest. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we ask, we bid thee come. And Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. How is everyone tonight? Blessed. That's a good thing to be. Praise the Lord. Well, we're certainly thrilled and glad that you're here tonight. I know we didn't have Word and Spirit for a couple of weeks. Uh, I was literally suffering in California. Praise the Lord. Well, first we, of course, got to preach and teach and, and mentor and train. Of course, that was great and wonderful. But they had a lack of sunshine over there. Praise the Lord. So I went over there and tried to get them all straightened out that they need to repent. I mean, it rained. It's been raining since January in California. And so, you know, there used to be a song some of you older hippies would remember. It never rains in Southern California. Well, that's a false prophecy. But it is a sign in end times, amen. I mean, it just rained and rained. And even um, one morning, I couldn't get out of our house because there was a flood in the driveway. And uh, even uh, we asked someone with a big four-wheel drive truck to come get us. He couldn't pass through the rivers in California. And so, praise the Lord, a lot of, a lot of interesting things happen in the world. But uh, it's good to be here. I'm glad you're here tonight. And uh, looking forward to getting the word and breaking bread together. Uh, just for a, a little bit of review, let's go ahead and uh, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29. This has been our golden text for uh, the beginning of this series, uh, Word and Spirit. And also we use this as a text during our Holy Ghost meetings. And it just seemed like there's a whole lot in there that uh, the Holy Ghost wanted us to emphasize. And so we're just going to kind of do a, a little review of what we've covered thus far. Then we're going to branch out in a different direction, but along the same line. Now, how is that possible? Well, stay tuned. Praise the Lord. And so in Proverbs 29:18, it says, where there is no vision... The people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Of course, for weeks and weeks and weeks, we've been talking about the importance of vision. And of course, what do we mean by vision? The Bible definition of vision. There's a lot of worldly uh, human ideas of vision. And they, you know, I've been in, even in church meetings and church leadership meetings and uh, instructional meetings that, you know, every church has to have a vision and, and we believe that. But what they, they say is you've got to come up with a mission statement. You've got to come up with an agenda. You've got to think of something to rally the troops that you all become one and head to a destination. And absolutely that's true and right, especially in the business sense. How can two walk together except they be agreed? But that, that is not what this is talking about. When it talks about a vision in the Bible, it's talking about a visitation. It's talking about something God does, God authored, God breathed. When God shows up and, uh, you know, literally a vision is simply Jesus appearing or angels appearing or some type of supernatural manifestation, demonstration from heaven. But also visitation. It's whenever the power of God, the demonstrations of God show up. 
The Bible says this, that our preaching teaching should not be in mere wisdom of men, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And so even preaching, teaching the gospel shouldn't just be uh, a man formerly wisdom, but with demonstration and with power, or we could say this, with vision and visitation. Now, what is very interesting here, it, it tells us uh, the importance of vision, but it also tells us what happens when there is no vision. What happens when there's no vision? Real clear here, it says people perish. So people's lives are affected, whether there's a vision or not, in a church, in a ministry. And the word perish is very interesting, and again, we have newer people with us all the time. It simply means to let loose or out of control. And that word is used to let go of the reins of a horse. You know, you hold on to the reins and you, you control the horse. You let go of the reins, the horse goes any which way it wants to. Uh, we don't much use uh, that terminology today. Uh, we would liken to the steering wheel of a car. You know, going down the highway, uh, you, you got to keep your hands on the wheel. But if you let go of the wheel, uh, you can veer to the right and hit a ditch or veer to the left with oncoming traffic. Either way, uh, you know, you can get hurt. You can even be killed. And so that's what it means to let loose, out of control. And whenever there is no vision or visitation, people uh, go out of control, primarily the reins of their flesh. The reins of consecration, dedication, and commitment to the Lord. And uh, you know, we've seen this, um, oh, in the past 10, 20 years in the church, a, a great split in the church. Where uh, there, there's a s people contending for the things of God and the Spirit, like our forefathers have encouraged us. But the, something that Dr. Frame saw in the Spirit, a flesh church. Uh, where, you know, people are casual and people don't want the move of the Spirit of God. And whenever uh, there's a lack of visitation, people get more casual, more relaxed. And you'll see that sin is more rampant in those type of churches. And so it's a good thing to have God show up. And I mean, when God shows up, it'll keep you right, keep you straight. I'm reminded, uh, you know, Dr. Dufresne. Dr. Dufresne was my, my spiritual father and mentor. You know, uh, he'd be invited to church, and he'd stand behind the pulpit, get up, caught in the spirit, and says, three of you are swapping wives. And he says, I'm going to pull you out. And, and how many know that's a visitation? How many know you, you don't want to be swapping wives? You, you don't want to even be looking at something you shouldn't. You know, you, you just, you know... <laughs> Begin to repent. And how do you know that that's a holy thing? That's a righteous thing. But if there's no visitation like that, you know, people could be living any which way, talking any which way at home, strife, division, contention, come to church and uh, put on a, a happy, smiley face and live the same way they always lived. But when there's a vision or visitation, it keeps you straight. And of course, uh, we can see that spiritually. But uh, we're also looking at it physically that people can perish physically without a vision or visitation, meaning they don't get their healing, they don't get their breakthrough. We know all these things belong to us as children of God, and God wants us to be healed. God wants us to be free in our mind. God wants us to be free from bondages, and uh, He's made provisions 
provision in his word for us to be to have those things to believe the word but uh, without vision and visitation very often there'll be people that uh, are in these bondages can't seem to get free of them unless they have the spectacular in manifestation now I've used this illustration because I, I believe it fits it so well is in the ministry of Kenneth e. Hagin the reason I like to use him is because, uh, you know, it's, it's like the old commercial, again, this dates me. A lot of my illustrations are a little old. You know, when I sang, you know, said about the song, It Never Rains in Southern California, most young folks never heard it. <laughs> but how many, how many heard it? You know, usually, yeah, the over 40 crowd. And some of the younger folks that, uh, you know, maybe heard me reference that and, uh, you know, there was also a commercial uh, about an uh, investment broker named E.F. Hutton. How many remember that? Again, the 40 and over crowd. Well, the Bible says they that are ignorant be ignorant still. So you 40 and younger, remember, you just got to hang on and get to 40 years old. Then you get to go into promised land. <laughs> All right. But there was a commercial, you know, if, you know people be at a restaurant and, and you know, people would be talking, and one businessman said to another businessman, you know, my, my broker is so-and-so, and he says to do this, and no one paying attention to it. And then the other guy responds, my broker is E.F. Hutton. And when he says E.F. Hutton, the whole place looks to the table and, and puts their hand behind their ears, put their newspaper down, stop their conversation, because they want to hear what E.F. Hutton has to say. And so, you know, I could give you illustrations of my own life, and you'd say, well, so what? Nothing big. But if I say Kenneth e. Hagen, everyone puts their Bible down and says, what? And so I like to use him as an illustration. Now, Kenneth Hagen was raised up from a deathbed. That God, uh, through the Spirit, showed him how to receive his healing. And uh, divinely, the Lord spoke to Kenneth e. Hagen several times, go and teach my people faith. And the Holy Ghost said this to him. You know, I've taught uh, you faith through my word. I taught you faith through experience. Of course, being born um, two pounds, uh, prematurely born, uh, a heart, a heart, uh, you know, deformed heart, uh, two blood diseases. He had no chance in a million of living. Doctor says, you don't have a chance of knowing to be healed. You, you are going to die by the time you're 16. And the Holy Ghost said this, I taught you by experience and I permitted you to go through certain things to teach you faith. Now put that in your potpourri pot and smell it. And there's, there's much I could say about that. And folks said, well, God, God would never allow that. Well, uh, God doesn't do it, but he'll, he'll use things to teach you something. You know, it's just like when you tell a child not to touch a hot stove, you know, the, your way of instructing them is for them to obey you. But, you know, if they touch the hot stove, I mean, you know, that's a good teaching tool. Even though they got burnt, wasn't your plan, your purpose, your will, but you learn from touching the hot stove. And so Satan is the author of sickness and disease, but the Lord used that to teach Brother Hagen. And uh, it's only when you go through experience do you have a voice. You know, there's a lot of echoes that uh, echo healing, echo breakthrough. And the reason they don't have a voice is they have no experience. They're just repeating what someone else said. But Kenneth Hagin had a voice of faith. And he was divinely commissioned 
to teach God's people faith. And in my humble opinion, I believe he is the best, best faith teacher there was. I mean, he started the Word of Faith movement, and there have been other voices, you know, after him, kind of building on his, his revelation. But he was divinely commissioned to a generation to teach faith. So I would dare say, if Jesus commissioned you to teach a generation faith, you're pretty good at it. You're pretty efficient at it. You're pretty skillful at it. And so here, Brother Hagin would go and have revivals in churches teaching faith. And in his own words, he would not go to a church unless the meeting was at least three weeks long. If you were to go up to Brother Hagin in his own words and say, could you just preach for me a, a couple of days? He, he wouldn't even talk to you. He wouldn't even pay attention to you. Because he, he said there's not much can happen in a few days. It takes uh, weeks to get the Word of God built. It's usually not until the third week that things begin to get in people's hearts and, and they start to receive. And so he understood faith. He understood what it took to get people in faith. So he'd have these revivals. And uh, we're seeing without a vision, people perish. Here is the number one faith teacher that commissioned by the head of the church to teach my people faith. He would teach. And um, in his own words, he would keep track. He usually would get 50 to 60% of the people healed. If you came to Brother Hagen meeting, uh, 50 to 60 was his average that he'd get half the people healed. You know, in his meetings. And uh, one time he said he had 90%. He got 90% of the people healed. And you know, that's great and wonderful, but what about the other 50%? What about the other 10%? You know, everybody's precious. And as we, we may mention, when Jesus was in the mountain transfiguration, he came down, and there's a big crowd around his disciples, the nine disciples, and then go up with them in the mountain transfiguration. And, you know, there's a big crowd. He says, hey, what's going on here, boys? And a man came and said that I brought my son to your disciples. He is demon-possessed. I, I, I asked them to minister to him, and they couldn't help him. And we saw the words of Jesus, and you could read about this account, that Jesus didn't say, you know what, you win some, you lose some. Not everybody has faith. You know, you're not going to get everybody healed. You know, and, you know, those statements are true, but that's not what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, how long am I going to be here? Bring them to me. And he delivered them. And we see that from that account that Jesus was not happy unless everyone's needs were met. And so back to Brother Hagin, the number one way, the highest way to receive, the, the, the one that pleases God the most is by faith in his word. Remember um, the satyrian that uh, came and sent people to Jesus and said, you know, my, my servant's home, he, he's sick. Uh, you know, come and, and, and lay your hands on me and he'd be healed. And, uh, and as he began, he said, I will come. And as he began to, to head towards the house, he sent other people, his friends says, hey, you don't even need to come to the house. I didn't know you listened to me. I'm not a Jew here, but uh, I, I'm not worthy that you should even come to my house. You don't need to lay hand. You just say the word. Just speak the word. My servant will be healed. I'm a man of authority. I understand how this works. You're a man of authority. When I speak to my servants and my soldiers, they do what I say. You, you have dominion over sickness and disease. You just speak the word and my servant be healed. Jesus drops the mic 
turns to his followers and says, I've never heard such faith, no, not in all Israel, meaning not in you guys either after following me for a few years. And it amazed him. And see, that's the highest and the best. You just take the Lord at his word. And that's what Brother Hagin did. That's what faith does. It takes the Lord at his word. And Brother Hagin, through his skillfulness, was able to get 50, 60, and one place, 90% of the people healed. And thank God for that. But again, the other 50%, the other 10%. But right along with that, we understand September the 2nd, 1950, Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin. He was in tent meeting in Rockwell, Texas. Uh, Brother Hagin heard a voice, come up hither. He, it's, that voice spoke several times. He thought someone was interrupting the meeting. Then he, he realized, oh, the voice was talking to him. He looked up and there was Jesus standing at the top of the tent uh, where the tent should be. And Jesus said, come up hither. And he was caught up to be with Jesus. And uh, you can read about this in the book, I Believe in Visions. And so, um, you know, and it's a great account, but we're just kind of paraphrasing uh, what happened. And, uh, of course, Jesus appeared to him and put the finger in his right hand, of his right hand, into the palms of Brother Hagin's hands, and they begin to burn. And uh, he said after that visitation, they burned for three days that he didn't get any sleep. He'd have to rub his hands and, uh, in order to get relief. Well, that... that that anointing was added to his teaching ministry and uh, he would start getting some spectacular results. But Jesus said this to him. He said, uh, this is the lowest way for people to receive their healing. Or we could say it this way, this is the easiest way for anyone to receive their healing. So if we were to have a scale, the highest and the best is what? To believe God, to take the Lord at his word. The lowest way, the easiest way, there's no lower way, there's no easier way than to have someone lay hands on you that is anointed of the Holy Ghost. Now, those two things are the spectrum of receiving healing, anointing and the word. But yet, Brother Hagin would go to churches, teach for weeks, uh, lay hands on people, and they still did not receive. Now, is the Lord happy with those results? No, the Lord wants everybody healed. But there is a third tier, and this is what we've been looking at without a vision, people perish, that there's a tier beneath that. The highest, of course, is the word. The easiest, lowest is having hands laid on you through the anointing. And, you know, I have that in my life and I've laid hands on thousands of people and I've had thousands of people not receive. I have people healed, you know, supernatural, healed of cancer, you know, healed of, you know, life-threatening disease and so forth. But there are people that just haven't received. And, of course, Jesus wants their needs met. But there is another tier, and this is what we're contending for. Without a vision, people perish. I'm going to give you a case example. Of, again, with Kenneth e. Hagen. He was in the church for three weeks. The, the number one teacher of faith, the most skillful person teaching faith. He was there for three weeks. And there was a, a young lady, a young woman, a mother of two, who was diagnosed with cancer of the lung. And uh, we won't go into the details of that, but nevertheless, she came 
you know, and she heard Brother Hagin, not just in this meeting, but meetings before, because some of these churches would have Brother Hagin every year in. So she heard faith. She heard the best faith teacher, but uh, she didn't receive her healing. Not only that, Brother Hagin, with that supernatural anointing, that fire burns in his hands to heal the sick and deliver the oppressed, that uh, five times he laid hands on her and still wasn't healed through the easiest, the simplest way to receive. No, no easier, no lower way to receive, and yet she was not healed. It was only after the fifth time he laid hands, something happened. What? He had a vision. He had a visitation. He was caught in the spirit. And he saw that woman. And he saw the spirit that oppressed that woman. And he spoke to that spirit and commanded that spirit to release her. And when uh, he, he commanded to release her, the spirit left. And she, she, she knew she was free. And she was never filled with the Holy Ghost. She began to speak in tongues immediately. And the next day she went to the doctor and told the doctor, take x-rays. And uh, the doctor said, we don't need x-rays. We have a bunch of x-rays. Yeah, and she said, something happened to me. Well, the doctors want to know what happened to you. Something bad happened. She said, take the x-ray. I will pay for it. Then after the x-ray, I'll tell you what happened. And they, they took an x-ray after x-ray. They couldn't understand. This is what happened. The, uh, the cancer is completely gone. It just disappeared. And uh, how did this happen? And she told her, told the doctors exactly what happened. This man of God laid hands on me, had a vision, saw a demon, cast that thing out, and now I'm free of cancer. He says, I, we don't understand that, but we'll sign an affidavit that you had cancer and you are now healed. Now, why do we bring that illustration? Without a vision, people perish. We believe in teaching the word, we always put the word first. And that's what Jesus did. He went about teaching he went about preaching, and he went about healing. Teach, he taught first, he preached, then he healed. Well, without a vision, people perish. We, we do the word first. Of course, it's scriptural to lay hands on people and to release faith. But we're looking at this third tier, this third level, that we have to have more of it. We have to see more of it manifestation. Why? Without it, people perish. Without it, people don't receive it. And again, Jesus is not happy unless everyone receives their healing. And so we've been looking at that. And, uh, and so we're going to kind of break off of that, but yet head in the same direction. And this is something that came to my heart. Uh, you know, when Brother Hagin had that vision... You know, and it set that person free. What is a vision? Well, a vision has to do with gifts of the Spirit. It actually has to do with the revelation gifts. And it's been in my heart since January that we, we need to talk about the revelation gifts of the Spirit. You know, Brother Hagin prophesied in the last days the Spirit of seeing and knowing will be in greater manifestation in the church. Um, I've been praying that out for the past year. That there has to be more seeing and knowing, seeing and knowing, seeing and knowing. What is seeing? Seeing is vision. It is seeing into the, the, the realm of the spirit. Knowing are the revelation gifts that God supernaturally reveals things to you. And so uh, by direction of the Lord, at least 
what I believe is the Lord, we're going to talk about the revelation gifts. Now, why is it important that we talk about them? You've talked about them in times past. Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing. And uh, we want more of these manifestations in the church because we want more people getting their answer. And it's just not up to the preacher, but it's up to all of us to do our part. And uh, Kenneth Hagin, my spiritual father, says, if you want more of the gifts of the Spirit operation manifestation, you teach on them. Because faith comes by hearing, and people's faith and desire for them uh, comes greater when you teach on them, and the, and the Holy Ghost will accommodate us. And so um, we're going to look at primarily the revelation gifts, and then we'll see what the Lord leads us uh, afterwards. And uh, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And this will be kind of an introduction to the revelation gifts. And you're going to start with verse 1. I'm going to read out of the King James Bible. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. And it says this, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, because he's writing to the church, I would not have you be ignorant. Now, um, if you look that word gifts, uh, in the Greek, that word gifts is not there. Maybe your Bible even italicizes it. Whenever it's italicized in the Bible, it simply means it's not in the original language. The translators added it and th trying to help us understand what is being said. But really, in the Greek, what it says now concerning spirituals or things of the Spirit, I don't want you to be ignorant. Because if you read chapter 12, chapter 13 and chapter 14, he talks more than just spiritual gifts as we understand it. He talks about the body of Christ. That's a spiritual thing. He talks about ministry offices. That's a spiritual thing. And so when it comes to things of the Spirit, things that pertain to the Holy Ghost, notice what the Word says. God does not want us to be ignorant, or you can even say misinformed. And so, ignorance comes in two forms. First of all, there's a vast majority of Christians, and primarily in denominations. We're not down on denominations, and we're grateful for them. We're, there's, there's light in every denomination that, you know, at least observes the, the lordship of Jesus. And the Lord will endeavor to work with, you know, with those denominations. But we, we know this that there are denominations that don't believe in the supernatural. You know, they believe that, you know, yes, when Jesus was here, there was supernatural things. And when the apostles were on the earth, yeah, there was miracles, there were healings, but all those things died with the last apostle. And, you know, speaking tongues, that died with the last apostle. It's, it's not for today. And how many know that that's ignorance? And, uh, you know, where there's ignorance, people perish. Yeah, where there's no vision or visitation, people perish. Where they're ignorant. And so you, you understand that uh, because they don't believe those things, they don't have those things, and they're not benefited by those things. And so, you know, what, what is a cure? Well, to teach, teach people they are for today. You know, it ought to be pretty uh, easy and a no-brainer. If it's in the Bible, it should be for today. You know, but then they, they begin to say, well, you know, well, that's not for today. Then 
if, if this is not for today, then what other parts of the Bible are not for today? Then you got to start taking a part like a jigsaw puzzle and say, well, this is for today, this isn't for today, this isn't, you know, for today. I mean, you know, all the Bible, all the New Testament is for today. And so we ought not to be ignorant concerning these things. But also we can have ignorance on misinformation uh, and misunderstanding of how they're used. Now, what is very interesting, if you read uh, 1 Corinthians, that the Corinthians had all the gifts of the Spirit in operation manifestation in their services. They had all of them. Paul said this, you, be, you, you come behind in no gift. That infers that all the nine gifts of the Spirit were in operation manifestation in the church of Corinth. But what is very interesting that Paul calls them ignorant concerning their use. So we, we have one side of the spectrum. It's not for today, that's ignorance. But also you can have them in operation and manifestation and still be ignorant. You can misunderstand how they're used. You can abuse them. You can misuse them by not knowing what they're for and how they operate. And so, uh, you know, this would be more of the ignorance that we uh, full gospel people would have that, uh, you know, that the misunderstanding how they use. And, and so we don't want to be ignorant. Now, you got to understand this, that when it said, now concerning spiritual things, brethren, if you're a brethren, he's talking to you. God doesn't want you to be ignorant. You know, that, that means the whole body of Christ. You know, there's not a Pentecostal Bible and a Baptist Bible and a Methodist Bible. I mean, there's just one Bible to the whole body of Christ. No matter what label, what denomination, you know, God so loved the world, how many know that's not a Baptist scripture? You know, that's not a Presbyterian scripture. It, 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 it's to the whole body. God so loved the world. And, you know, you are the body of Christ. And so here, this admonition is written to every child of God, whether you call yourself the Baptist, a Methodist, a Presbyterian, or you call yourself full gospel, non-denominational, whatever. God does not want us to be ignorant. Now, how do you cure ignorance? By sound Bible teaching. And uh, as an introduction to these gifts, I, I want to talk about how important they are, especially in the day that we live in. Um, number one, uh, we must remember the very foundation of the church was built on the supernatural. That when the church started in Acts chapter 2, it was a supernatural thing. You know, the church wasn't sort of like, a, you know, like a, you plant a seed in the ground and, you know, you just wait around, nothing happens, and just a little, a little spurt comes out, then it grows slowly, then over the course of years, you know, you know, then you, it takes form and bears fruit. Now, don't get, you mean you're wrong, so is the kingdom of God, as man should cast seed and growl, and there are many things like that, that through time and patience things grow. But that's not how the church started. The church started with a bang. There came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they're sitting. And cloven tongues of fire appeared on each one of their heads. They saw it. They heard it. 
They felt it. And what happened? They spoke in tongues. And it wasn't a back room meeting where, oh, it happened in, in some, some little church building and it, they just kept it themselves. No, the, it was in the day when the feast and the whole town heard a sound from heaven. They heard this, this great move of God. This is what, what means this? We, we heard it. What's going on? And they heard these people speak in tongues. And, you know, you could read about in Acts chapter 2. But what happened? With the supernatural visitation, 3,000 people got saved. And yet we have churches today saying we don't want you speaking in tongues in church because it offends the harvest. Hence, um, the Lord of the harvest knows how to reach the harvest. That, you know, the Holy Ghost didn't feel like, you know, keep it down, boys. Don't speak in tongues because... Because we want to get people saved. We don't want to offend anybody here. No. The Holy Ghost is a show off. He's not, the Holy Ghost is not ashamed of anything supernatural. And so speaking in tongues. 3,000 people got saved. And a few more chapters. Uh, Acts chapter 3. Um, you know. James and John were. Um, Peter and, and John were going to the temple. And there was a lame man there. Uh, crippled. Asking alms. And. And. They ask an alma, Peter and John, as, as they went into the temple, it says, silver and gold I have none, but such as I have, give I thee. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Rise and be healed. Supernaturally healed. Gifts of healings. I mean, that, that made a show. Everyone was wondering what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. And Peter preached a short message. One of the few times that he preached a short message. You know? And... Uh, what happened? 5,000 people got saved. And you read the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a pattern of what the church should look like. What is that pattern? Supernatural. Again, Corinthians tells us that our preaching teaching should not be enticing words of men's wisdom, but demonstration of the spirit and of power. That is, that is how the church started. And that is the ideal, the pattern for the church is the supernatural. You know, the devil don't mind you getting a big church just as long as you keep the supernatural up. You know, and some people, some churches have been hoodwinked with that. You know, they, 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 they don't, you know, they want a big church. They want numbers and they don't want to offend people. And uh, it's very interesting. Pastor Nancy Dufresne one time was caught in the spirit and saw that the devil actually helped churches like that grow. Yeah. Why? Because Satan can still bind people in those type of churches. You know, there, there, there's, there's no anointing, no visitation to challenge the works of darkness. We see that in Jesus' ministry. That Jesus, you know, he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. And he wanted their synagogues being glorified of all. And uh, one of the first sermons he came and preached... And all of a sudden, there's a man sitting in, in, in the congregation, in the synagogue, says, What have we to do with thee, Jesus? Have you come to torment us before the time? That man, with that demon, sat in that synagogue for years. Unchallenged, unprovoked, very comfortable. But then came a visitation into town. Came the anointing, and all of a sudden... 
you know, it's not business as usual anymore. And so, again, just to, to show the importance of visitation. You know, that reminds me when we started the Jamestown Church. You know, I have a lot of things to say about Jamestown. Do we got Jamestown Church people here from the Jamestown Church? Oh, they're, they're all watching. All right. You know, we used to get all the weird, crazy people here. Then we started the Jamestown Church. They all went over there. But I kid you not, I kid you not, you know, if, here's a Bible, I could swear, you know, I would, I would have office hours when I started the church over there, and I kid you not, I, I had my office hours, I forget if it was on 3rd Street or 4th Street, and I was just going to go somewhere for lunch, and as I walked, there was a man in a wheelchair, and cried out, we don't want you here, we don't want you here. And he's oblivious that the Spirit is, is speaking through him. And, and, you know, those things happen. Well, what happened? The anointing is coming into town. It's not going to be business as usual. So it's important. You know, and, uh, you know, it seems, seems like it, all, all those experiences happened in Jamestown. <laughs> Why is that? Because I'm here, I drove them out, and they all went to Jamestown to seek refuge. Then I went there, then they, oh my goodness. But I, I kid you not, and uh, maybe anyone here that was with me when I started the Jamestown Church, there was a, there's a little boy that was there, demon-possessed. Why was a demon-possessed? Well, ask his grandmother that was into witchcraft, you know. Just, you know, ask, and that's why those things happened. And uh, I kid you not, I'd be preaching and teaching, and then I'd, I'd walk over, and, and you can be the little eight-year-old demon-possessed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I walk, and he start to shake, and its eyes would go in the back of his head, you know, and you know, like the, and he begin to shake right, right in front of everybody. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but it was very evident to me. And then, I, you know, I would go like this. I'd walk away and become normal. And I'd be teaching and preaching, and I don't know if anyone else is watching and stuff like this. And I'd go over here, and as I get near it, it begin to shake, and his eyes begin to roll, and his eyes turn white and begin to shake and shake. Well, why didn't you cast it out? Well, he lives in a home that, that you know, worships the devil and, and so forth. You know, you just can't do that. You know, just because they manifest doesn't give you the right to cast it out. I could teach a whole lesson on that, you know, and so forth. But what was I doing? So I'm, I'm here and I'm in charge. Now, if he was to disrupt the service, that would give me a right to deal with them and, and, and expose that. And so uh, what is it? Without a vision, without a visitation, people perish. Without anointing, without the supernatural, the, the, the kingdom of darkness is unchallenged. And that's why we need, the, we need the supernatural in the church. Okay, again, this is, this is an introduction. I don't think I'll have time to begin talking about the Revelation gifts, but we'll get an introduction, that way we can hit the ground running next week. Second thing about why... The gifts of the Spirit are so important to the church. that, And with, without the moving God's Spirit, without vision and visitation, the church will not be prepared for the coming of the Lord. See, gifts of the Spirit, visitation, the moving of God's Spirit, help get people ready for the coming of the Lord. As you know, if you've heard me share this before, March 26, 2006, I was caught up to heaven, and uh, 
you know, I, I've gone into detail at other times, but I was, I was caught up in heaven. It was a very in- interesting night. And uh, I was at a pep rally in heaven. And uh, Jesus was, was the one, uh, the, the speaker at the pep rally. And, and uh, you know, and I could say other things, but he kept saying, he said this two times. I am coming soon. Get ready. And, of course, after he said that, the crowd goes wild. Worse than Bill's Mafia. They, 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 they made ch- ch- Bill's Mafia look like a church choir in a, a Presbyterian convention. You know, they, they went wild, you know, and crazy. And, you know, Gee! and they shouted, Jesus, Jesus, you know, just wild. And then, and then he said it again, I am coming soon, get ready. And, of course, that's part of my commission to what? To help get people ready for the coming of the Lord. And you've heard me talk about those things. And so, you know, it's because of that commission, I've studied out what's it take to be ready for the Lord's return. And uh, part of it, when it comes to the church, universal church, in our own lives, is the supernatural must be in operation manifestation for the church to be right with her. Um, like I said before, without vision, people perish. Where, where there's no visitation, no manifestation, people let go of the reins, so to speak. Now, I, I want to read to you an excerpt from the book, I Believe in Visions. I quote from that book quite a bit. And uh, this is where Brother Hagen was caught up in the spirit and had a vision. And about America's last call about judgment coming to America. And let me read it to you. And the scroll was written in the first person, seemed as Jesus himself were speaking, and it read, America is receiving her last call. Some nations have already received their last call and will not receive another. Now you understand this was in 1950. You do the math, that is 70 years, 73 years ago, this coming September. Then in larger print, of course, what is happening, an angel hands him a scroll. He's reading the scroll, and it's about America, about judgment coming on America. Then in larger print, says, the end of all things is at hand. And this statement was repeated four or five times. And Jesus also said it was the last great revival. Now, that's, that's why I love that, that, to read that. Judgment coming on America, and, and we've seen that. We've seen that, and, uh, but also with, with darkness that has happened in America, there's a great revival going to happen through the land. And this is what Jesus went on to say, all of the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation in the church in these last days. Last days, gifts of Spirit, vision, visitation must be important, let's teach on them, all right? All right. And the church will do greater things even than the early church did. What is the early church? The book of Acts. Our example, our pattern. It, the latter-day church, will have greater power, signs, wonders, that one were, that were, then were recorded in the Acts of the Apostles. He said, we have experienced many healings, but now we'll behold amazing miracles that we have not seen before. Let's pause that. This is something that I've cried out in times past. You know, remember Elijah? You know, he, he, he was ministering to a backslidden Israel. 
And he, he goes up and he gathers Israel and says, Why halt ye between opinions? Baal be Baal, sir Baal, if God be God, let him be God. You know, and they, they answer now the word. You know why? Because there's no difference between the church and the world. What, what was happening in Baal's house was happening in the church. The church took on the form of the world. Nothing was happening. Then he made another statement. But the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And he said, ooh, you got our ears now. We, we've never seen fire in the church. We've never seen fire in Baal's house. You know, we've never seen anything supernatural. We just had a big social club in both places. You know, no difference. Yeah, yeah, the God answers by fire. Let him be God. And we know the story that he built an altar and he poured three times, had water poured on the altar after the prophets of Baal could not call fire from heaven. And he, he prays unto God and the fire falls and licks up the water and burns the sacrifice. And what happens? All the backslidden Christians fell on their face and said, Baal, I mean, the Lord, he is God. And they, they threw away all the Baal stuff, got rid of the Baal prophets, and became pure and holy before the Lord. That's why we need the supernatural. All right. Unpause. Back to the, to the scroll. Remember, we got Brother Hagen, an angel gave him a scroll. He's reading the scroll. We'll be see, seeing amazing miracles we've not seen before. And... The thing I was saying, America's not seen those miracles yet. I said, Lord, how can judgment fall? You even said, Jesus, when you ministered, you said, if you don't believe me, believe the miracles. At least believe the miracles. Well, my, my prayer is, Lord, my generation hasn't seen them. Now, those that were alive in the healing revival, that's their, they, they saw them. But our generation hasn't. This younger generation hasn't. So there, there must be in the justice of God a move of the Spirit to a generation before judgment can fully come or God will be unjust. And hence, we see without a vision, people perish. That's why he says judgment is coming, but the great move of the Spirit is coming. Jesus continued... More and more miracles will be performed in the last days, which are just ahead. That was said in 1950, Jesus is saying. How I many know we're in the days ahead? So we're in the time of more and more miracles. Not less and less, more and more. For it is the time for the gift of the working of miracles to be more in prominence. You have now entered into the era of the miraculous. Again, we could teach on this. Well, where is it? Where is it? Just because it's prophesied doesn't mean come to pass unless people pray it out. Remember, Elijah said there's a sound of an abundance of rain. He prophesied, it's going to rain. And it was not a cloud in the sky. What did he do? He fell on his face and he prayed and he prayed and he kept checking the heavens. Nothing is happening. And after seven times, his servant went to go check the heavens. There is a small cloud the size of a man's hand. He said, that's it. That's it. And he told Ahab to go. And you know the story if you read your Bible. And the heavens drew, grew dark. 
and rain began to fall. So when are we going to see more and more miracles? Is when people pray. People, people desire it. You know, if Elijah would have said, well, there's sound of buns, the rain, and just sat back and watched Netflix and, and just, you know, see, well, when's it going to come back? We're waiting here, Lord. Waiting here, Lord. No. He was very proactive in it. How was he proactive? He prayed. And I, I could take you through the Bible. Even the prophecy of Jesus, you shall receive power from on high. What do the disciples do? They want an upper room. What they do, they just sit and wait. No, they prayed until the power fell. And that's why we are encouraging, ringing a dinner bell, pray. It's the church's job to pray. My wife gave an announcement, you know, a couple weeks ago to get the people to what? Pray. Why? That's our part. The power is God's part. Prayer is our part. Okay. We've now entered the, back to the scroll. We keep... We keep interrupting this angel in the scroll. Jesus gave the scroll to Brother Hagin. Now get this. What was my point? That we need the supernatural for the church to be ready. This is what Jesus said. Many of my own people will not accept the moving of my spirit and will turn back and not be ready to meet me at my coming. Pause. See law. These are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, people will not be ready to meet me unless there's a move of the Spirit. Not my words, his words. And then it goes on, many will be deceived by false prophets and miracles of satanic origin. Pause. Has that happened? Oh, Yes. You know, uh, my, my dear friend, Reverend Randy Greer, he was invited to speak at a regional retreat, and it started one evening, and uh, he wasn't the guest speaker, he was, he was going to speak the next evening, but he got in late, and so he didn't go to the first meeting, and so he was going to speak the second evening, and as he was speaking that second meeting, he got off and, and started to denounce what was happening in the body of Christ about a gold dust phenomena that ministers gold dust was appearing in, in people's hands in the seat. And right along with that, and if you read his, his uh, last newsletter, that right along with that, the, the, the precious jewels, I've, I've saw that, I've, I've seen that and read about it, where all of a sudden people preach and all of a sudden there'd be gemstones that would appear. And people were swallowing that line, hook, and sinker because it was supernatural. It was spectacular. And uh, Reverend Randy began to announce that, and uh, he told them what the Lord said. The two people that were on the forefront, number one, the first, they're going to die by the end of the year. And they, the, the first one died in a few days, and the second one died by the end of the year. You know, the exact details, you can read about it. Well... He didn't know that they were talking about it and that they were all saying how we need to get some ministers that moved in that in our churches. And nevertheless, he wasn't invited back to preach. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I'm talking about people that follow Brother Hagin were deceived 
And I, I, I've known ministers that have deceived. They said, yeah, we, we got to have that gold dust in our church. We got to have the precious jewels showing up. And they didn't know it was of satanic origin. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I think Jesus might have knew what he was talking about there. Wow. Many of my own people will not accept the move of my spirit and turn back and not be ready to meet me at my coming. We want to be ready. Many will be deceived by false prophets and miracles of satanic origin. But follow the word of God, the spirit of God, and me. And you'll not be deceived. I am gathering my own together. I'm preparing them for the time short. How many know that's us? He's gathering us. He's preparing us. And so we, we, we don't want being the number that says we don't want any Holy Ghost. We don't want any move of the Spirit. We don't want any speaking tongues. We don't want any, any manifestation of the Spirit, especially the stuff that makes me uncomfortable. You know, we, if it's God and the Holy Ghost, we want it. Amen? Okay. The third thing, and again, this is the introduction to the introduction. The gifts of the Spirit are important today prophetically. Not prophetic, prophetically. It's negative. Pathetic. Pathetically. Prophetically. Okay. Just make sure. Prophetically, not pathetically. Prophetically. All right. Haggai 2.9 says this. The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. What's that mean? The glory, that means the manifest presence of God, the manifestation of God's presence will be greater in the latter house than the former. What is the former house? The book of Acts. The glory was there. Stephen saw the glory. The gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit, the, the visitations of God in the book of Acts. That's the former house. But Haggai saw in the future and said the glory of the latter house shall be greater. Acts 2. Remember, day of Pentecost. This is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. I'll show signs in heaven above wonders. And blood, fire, and vapor, smoke. And says this. Before that great and notable day of the Lord come. What are you saying? So I'm going to do it more and more. Till the coming of the Lord. So, you know, God is not like a battery that is wearing down. You know, when you put uh, batteries in a flashlight, it's really bright at start, but over time of use and just sitting, that uh, maybe you had it sit for a year or two and you go grab a flashlight, your lights go out and you have to hit it and get a little flicker of light. That's not God. That's not God. God's going to put on a show. And God says the glory will be greater. Greater than you've seen in the book of Acts. More manifestation. More demonstrations. Yeah. What is our job? Pray. And to contend for these things. And we just go on record before you, Lord Jesus. That we desire this. The scripture said it. But also modern day prophets. Prophets. Charles Parnham, William Seymour, Azusa Street. They said, 
you know, in the Azusa Street revival. You ever read about the Azusa Street? It's an amazing thing. God moved in the dump, more or less. And, uh, it, you know, it, 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 it's amazing. You know, God will move wherever there's hungry hearts. You know, doctrine right or not. And, uh, you know, Brother Seymour would put a box over his head. You know, he felt like he couldn't be seen and God wouldn't move unless you put a box over his head. Well, you know, lack of understanding of righteousness and, you know, but, you know, God used a donkey. He'll use someone with a box on their head, you know. Yeah. But the glory was so thick, the manifest glory, that kids played hide and seek in the sanctuary. It was so thick, like a fog would come and... And kids could hide because of the fog. But in that glory, arms grew out. Eyes grew. Where there's no eye sockets, eyes grew. Arms grew out. Legs grew. Creative miracles. That was a visitation. See, God is not a God of has been, but shall be. And Parnum and Seymour prophesied in 100 years after Zeus Street, that happened in the early 1900s, been over 100 years ago, said in 100 years it, that God's going to move again like this, but it's not going to be contained in just one church. Because back then you had to go to Azusa Street to see it. So they prophesied it. Others have prophesied it. Charles uh, Smith Wigglesworth prophesied it to young Lester Sumrall. When Lester Sumrall was had to leave England because uh, Hitler was starting to evade Europe and all Americans were, were made to go home and he went to go see Smith Wigglesworth the last time. And so they've been, you've heard about the first time met, what's that, the newspaper? But he'd visit without a newspaper, of course, again and again. And he knew this would be the last time they knew they would see each other. And it was different, young Lester Summerall said, and uh, he says, I want to bless you. And he grabbed that young man. Wouldn't you like to be Lester Summerall? Yeah. And grabbed him. And tears began to fall from Smith Wigglesworth's face. This 80-year-old, the general of God. And the tears ran off of his face onto the head of, of Lester Summerall. And he began to prophesy. He says, I see it. He begins to have a vision. I see it. And you can read about it. You can Google it, uh, YouTube. You can hear Lester Sharmel tell it. He could tell it better than I can because he was there. But Smith Wigglesworth began to prophesy about the moves of God that were coming to church. He, he, he prophesied uh, concerning uh, the healing revival. He prophesied concerning the charismatic revival. And uh, then he prophesied just before the coming of the Lord. That there would be something with the word and the spirit well, together, you know, because there'd be movements of the word. He prophesied, of course, the word of faith movement with emphasis on the word. But the word and the spirit come together that would usher in the coming of the Lord. You know, brothers and sisters, that's our day. Others, Kenneth Hagin, Dr. Dufresne, uh, have prophesied. So these things are important. And so we want to contend for these things. Of course, uh, my time has greatly, greatly slipped away here. And so we'll, we'll pick this up next week. Amen.
We want it all. We want all the gifts of the Spirit. We want to contend for these things. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Master. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you and we praise you. We magnify you. We thank you for your grace and your goodness and your mercy. You're so good to us. You're so good to us, Master. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Let's, let's just begin to pray. Let's just begin to pray. Now, primarily we're going to pray in other tongues. If you're here and you don't pray in other tongues, just, just patiently wait before the Lord. And if you're born again and you not receive speaking tongues, you can receive it right where you're at. Just say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And then he'll give you utterance in another tongue, which is based on Acts chapter 2. And so we're going to pray in tongues as they did in Acts chapter 2. Show me, show me, show it to me, Father. Show that to me. Safety, safety, I pray for safety for Bato Tore Kunanda, Dre Tokulakunu Makana, Dresto Tore Kushupo, Kunaku, Nongunda, Kulato, Toreku, Dreskinu Toreku, Nistain Dostain, Sikai, Oma, Yota, Coleto, Dreska, Nata, Ahato, Cole, Nato Tore Kudaku, Mezo. Mezo, mezo, deculando, culato, totorecu. Así, así, así. Bella, totor, comaco, no manda. Open up, 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 open up. Yes, nando, tori. Dra, asapete, totequito, rienco, busca, cunan. Meto, rico, dresa. Dra, totecula, o, nendo, tocolato, tocomanco, comacaco, cucu. Be seeing and knowing, seeing and knowing. Dre atoculeto toto kito doko oh 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 oh. I I see, I see that Lord. Ne apato kulupo metekun angel, angels assigned. Ah, no pato dre kunamakato. Yeah yeah. Itunde kutiku la help 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 help. Now seeing. Drato toriku, neta riku, neta dori, drapapando, torikito, tokamando, kupakando, kutukula, papapata. Mazo, mazo, mazo. Trepi pipatato toriku, doriku, dreski, singunda, kushanku, shopaku, lahato, torikatri. Neto, lata, toto, toka, ando, drafin, totre, insu, sukun, ne, re, ha, ha, ho, 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 easy, 
easy. Papa totori, rasapesta bito toti kito toti gun, ne, re, na, re, ha, ho, ho, yield, yield, changing it, changing that. We're changing it, it's changing, it's changing, it's changing. Bra, no, dre, me, up, you'll see change, you'll see change. A papa pacula pacula pacuni cudresa, estando tori cudresti, face a face a face, a turn, a turn, a turn, a change, a change, a turn, a turn, a change, a change, a change, a turn, a turn, a turn, a turn. Turn, a change, a change, a turn, a turn, a change, a change, a turn, turn, turn. Drepa papa kule pakune pakema totore kudre, mapa pakunando, kupaku namato, toreku drefes, a face, a face, a patutoni, turn, 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 turn. Changing, 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 it's changing. It's changing. Drape papa toto de culemen. Amadea, abadea, of a depatatore cunanda. A sonsutre cu, no macato, cumbebica, docanana. Ha 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 ha. Amazing changes are coming. Amazing changes are coming. Angels, angels assigned. Ah, yeah, assigned. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see him. I see him now. Me la adulta, atokule. Yeah, in the kulanda. Nato to ho ho ho. Prayer. Prayer through prayer. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. You respond. Yeah, you respond. You respond when we pray. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're standing attention. Na la lo di doreku. Andre asapakuye. Shunkunan. Shakananda, Kotukula, Etotorekish, Kindo Kaleta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we say go, go, go. Ah, now no letter. Ha ha. Yeah, yeah, Nyotoku, Bamanad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assist. Yeah, Bella Dotoreku, Unde Keshoku, oh, 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 Nepapato toke meku kushamaku shamakanto kushapaku shapakanto kudipida. Me stetito dori. Me totori kishin. Apetito tote kishin. Beto tote kishin. Tota kato kule pe Yeah, angels, angels have been assigned to that. Easy, 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 easy. Ha, yeah, now, in the Dina. Dre el potota. Apetenda, beta, 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 bada, boda, beta, 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 bada, boda, beta, beta, bada, conan, beta, bada, dodori, echo. Assign, assign, a beta, toto, tote, pico, sapaco, nenkush, go, dre, scando, kush, candre, kin, chokulu. Dre papa to turn, 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 turn. Turn, 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 turn. Mesa pita to dequicolato. Dreba bamatano to colepa pacudec. Dreva phase, a phase, a phase, a change and a phase, a change and a phase. Ha, shoto coleta. Shandate, odore, kumada, kumake, lapada, apadi, every day, pepe letore pacun, dre, learn, learn, ha, 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 change, change, change. Now see that. Now see that change. It's turned. 
that's turned. Messenger angel. Messenger angels. Change and a turn. A change and a turn. Angels, 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 angels. The best, the best. Turn, 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 turn. Yeah, I see, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it, I see it. Yeah, yeah. Dodokolando, metikito, tokipit. Amazing. That will come. That will come to pass. Yeah. No totoreku. Yeah. Yeah. Faith, faith, faith. Change, change, change. Faith, faith, faith. Change, change, change. Angels. Prayers. Your prayers. Your prayers. Yeah. Assistance. Divine assistance. Divine assistance. Angels. The angels are bringing divine assistance. Yeah. Totodi. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for that, Jesus. Thank you, my Master. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. About once a month or so, we, we have mentoring class. And someone in my mentoring class said, have you noticed any changes since more people prayed? You know, my wife gave the announcement and folks, folks responded. And I said, yeah, I, I, I can tell a difference. You know, uh, there, there's some manifestations, operations of the Holy Ghost. That, not that they've been lost, but they've just kind of been put on hold. And I've been praying a lot of hold that just starting to... to uh, Starting to come back. You know, well, why were they not? I don't know. It's beyond my pay grade. So I, I want to thank you. You've been praying. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I see that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 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 That will change. That will change. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming out tonight, and we're all learning, growing together, and I'm excited about the topic of spiritual gifts. The more we teach out, the more we desire them, the more we have them, and we're, we're going to get this job done. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. You're dismissed.